listening to the Talk and Turkey podcast with your host, Nicholas Caldereri, from the studios of Ryerson University in downtown Toronto. to the Talkin' Turkey podcast. On today's show, he's a fitness enthusiast. He owns a lot of suits. Many mistake him when he's clean-shaven for Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire. TSN's Nabil Kareem, how are you today? I'm good, man. How you doing? Very good. I'm a little envious of the beard because, like, I could only grow a mustache, so it's nice yeah. to see you uh, well-trimmed. You know what? I, like, I can't completely grow, like, a proper man beard. It's still, like, in kind of the in-between phase of, like, it's pretty spotty at points. So, like, when I'm trimming it, uh, you know, kind of keep it well-groomed, uh, <laughs> there are definitely adventures where you got to, like, I'll, I'll, like, trim it on a three on one side and the other side is, like, a two and a half. Or it's, 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 it's stupid, man. It's, yeah. it's actually it's really stupid. So uh, I'll keep it as long as I can, though. Cause, yeah, uh, you sound really passionate about your beard. I'm wondering if you use beard oil. You know what I did when I first uh, when I first uh, started uh, growing a beard, and then I realized that I'm just making my face really oily because uh, my beard's not long enough for beard. I don't need beard oil. Like uh, it's just not long enough, right? Whereas if I go on it a little bit longer or grow a little bit longer, um, it makes more sense. But for me, I'm just I'm just getting acne out of it if I'm if I'm <laughs> um, putting all that oil on my face. I, I don't need that. So obviously today is Bell Let's Talk Day. And with every mention of the hashtag, Bell donates five cents to mental health. So it's good to see uh, one of the few companies who's investing this much into mental health. Hopefully other companies uh, follow their initiative. But I don't know if you have any experiences with mental health, but I guess I'll just say mine. Uh, It's an experience that I haven't really talked about, but I thought what better time to do it now. And I remember when I was always younger, people would always comment that I was skinny. Uh... They would always say, oh, he doesn't eat. And I got the weirdest comment from an aunt, and I never forgot it. It always stuck with me. And it, she told me at, like, some family gathering that he looks like an African. And that was so bad. Like, why would you say that to a, a pubescent boy? And, and that weird comment just kind of stuck with me my whole life. And for a while in middle school, uh, I would always wear long sleeve shirts because I was kind of ashamed of of having sort of skinny wrist as I internalized it. And uh, yeah, so I would always get comments about like, oh, he needs to go to the gym. And so it was kind of putting me in a in an anxious and depressed mood. Uh, but I had a friend with a similar experience and him talking about it kind of made me want to share this story. And uh, it's about this experience where he was talking about how he hugged a girl and I, I had the same exact experience. And one time I, I hugged a girl and after... She said, oh, wow, you're so skinny. Like, and it was just a friend. And it, that comment kind of took me by surprise. And um, yeah, so it was, I don't even know how to explain it. But uh, my mom, I never told my mom this. She doesn't know this. But for a while, I wouldn't even hug my mom because I was so self-conscious about being skinny and, and my weight. And uh, so, yeah, so... The point of the story is that I eventually 
uh, fell in love with a video game, NHL 09. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played it, but be a GM mode. And uh, it was sort of a release for me. I learned all about the NHL, the CBA, contracts, salary caps, player development. And I basically turned into an NHL nerd for a couple of years. And I kind of became that kid at the lunch table who was the NHL nerd and knew a lot about hockey. And because of that, um, I kind of became accepted. And it was the first time that I was accepted and people weren't constantly talking about my skinniness and they were instead talking about my hockey opinions, which was a relief. So to this day, I, I mean, I'll admit it, I'm still skinny, but I realized that I'm fine with it and I've accepted my body. And uh, I enjoy when people make fun of me. Like now, it, it, you could laugh about it now, now that I'm confident about it. So, uh, yeah, that was my story. I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts or stories of your own yeah, to build. No, no, thanks for sharing. I mean, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. I mean, I think that was an offside comment by your aunt uh, on multiple levels. But, um, you know, these things happen in life, right? And um, the fact that you were able to, uh, I think, internalize it over time. I mean, when you're young, it's, it's hard, right? Like, I, I would go back <clears throat> excuse me, to my own childhood, and, and I was a really chubby kid. I mean, I probably say borderline fat when I was, uh, I think it was about 100 and. 140 pounds when I was in grade six. So yeah. I was really heavy, actually. And, uh, you know, I, I was put on a diet by my doctor. So I, I kind of know about, uh, from the other perspective of, uh, you know, being too heavy rather than being too skinny, but um, also getting comments like that when I was in school and, and being made fun of and that sort of thing. So I kind of went through that uh, in my childhood. And, and um, so that's why fitness has kind of always been a thing for me. And I'm always chasing health. Um, um, even to this day, just and it's one of those things that it's kind of become part of my life. But that's how I internalized it, and, yeah. and kind of uh, you know took some of those negative experiences and name calling and that sort of thing back in the day, and, and kind of made it into a positive and made it into part of my lifestyle. So I, I kind of see where you're coming from from that perspective. But again, I mean, yeah. when you're that young, I guess you never really you don't have that perspective, and it hurts and name calling yeah. and. and you know, whatever, I mean, it, it, everyone is different, right? And, yeah. and everything's going to, uh, things affect people uh, differently. And so, um, you know, I'm glad you found an outlet, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a friend who, uh, a good friend who I was coming up with in, uh, in broadcasting, and, and this was about, I think, five, six years ago, maybe. He was doing really well. I, I just moved to Toronto, and, and uh, he was in Vancouver, and he was a couple years younger than me. So we, we didn't go to school together, but we knew each other. And we, uh, we, we actually did a podcast before a podcast. We were going to say uh, he, he was way out of the curve. We were almost too far ahead that uh, it just wasn't a thing at the time. But um, uh, he um, all of a sudden, he had this great job in Vancouver at CTV, and he quit. And, um, you know, I was one of his references to, to, to get him and so forth. And, um, I was just like, dude, what are you doing, right? And uh, everything was going so well for me. He was super young but to, to be in the position he was at that time. And, uh, he kind of got into it a little bit with me as far as what he was feeling. And I didn't, I mean, I wish looking back that I understood a little bit more, but I didn't understand. I was like, dude, everything's going so great for you. What are you talking about, right? Um, yeah. But then he was actually the first person that really opened my eyes. Uh, his name's Shahid. And I retweeted some of his stuff today. Um yeah. And, um, yeah, he, he was really the first one that kind of opened my eyes to, to depression and what it can do to you. And, and again, like I had, 
small instances of it, I guess, of going up and the name calling and so forth, and I think it's kind of anxiety or, or, or you know pressure you feel. I mean, it, it it all kind of falls into the umbrella. But as far as major depression, uh, he went through it and, and still continues to fight it to this day. So um, he really opened my eyes to it about again five six years ago, and you know I wish I could understand right away, or I, you know, I wish I had seen the steps, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, so I, I'm so glad that. You know, Bell and even other companies out there and other people out there are are jumping on board here to try to create some awareness. I know it's one day and everyone yeah. jumps on board on the one day and you got to make it a full year thing. And hopefully that's what this comes to. And uh, we build relationships maybe on this day with people, random people, um, but you are able to connect with them and, and, and stay with them and, and help them if they need it, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, even if it's a few people are helped throughout uh, the process and we also educate people along the way. Um, you know, something like this is great. I mean, I tweeted this out earlier today that, you know, at a time where our world is, it's messed up right now. It's really divided and mm-hmm. it's messed up. And, uh, especially when you go on social media, I mean, I hate Twitter. I, yeah. I, I used to love Twitter and I don't tweet all that much anymore. I use it every day for obviously these purposes and stuff like that. But yeah, it's so tough because I mean, you're you want to be a media figure, but also yeah. you don't want too much of that social media because it is bad for your mental health. Yeah, I mean it, it can really be hard on you. I mean, um, and, and that's another thing. I mean, I went through, um, you know, when I first got to TSN, I went through this huge like racial backlash that happened for uh, I don't know, it was like a three four month period, and. Okay. and it was tough, you know, seeing your mentions every morning and people hating you or, or thinking you shouldn't be able to, you know, read sports scores if you're a certain color. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And so, um, yeah, but, but to see, getting back to what I was saying about today and about the last few years and when uh, seeing people come together, it, this is one of those nice things where social media really works and, and it's really positive to see people from all walks of life get together. It doesn't matter if you work for Bell or not or whatever. I mean, um, you saw major celebrities like Ellen DeGeneres. I think this is the second year she's kind of jumped on board and done this. And, and trust me, they these celebrities probably get as people a profile, probably get tons of requests to join in different directions, and, and they got to pick carefully. And yeah. So, um, and and not just celebrities, just every, just different people, people from all sorts. And I saw so many different stories that um, you know people had tweeted out today about their own experiences. And so. It's powerful. It, it really yeah. is. So uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. I mean, that's uh, that's part of it, and I think talking is definitely uh, an important piece to kind of mo- moving on up and, and trying to figure out a solution. Yeah, obviously, seeing those tweets, like you said about the stories, because obviously it's good to tweet about hashtag Bell Let's Talk, but I think it's even better to uh, share your story because you never know who that one person it might affect, and one person who wasn't just talking about mental health on Bell Let's Talk Day is the Marta Rosen who uh, talked about how, like you said, like your your friend had the job or even Damar, he has all the money, but he said that he wishes some people were rich so they could see that like the money, the the job, it, it doesn't matter in the end because you could still be depressed and, and have some issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing that Damar came out to do that, um, especially because with athletes, there's that stigma that if you're not mentally tough, you know, you're never going to make it. You're never going to be the guy. You're never going to be that superstar. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, we talk about the best athletes in the world. They're all got the killer mindset and you know, killer mentality and all these, like, buzzwords we always use. Um, and so for DeMar to make himself vulnerable and, and, and put 
put himself out there and know that despite him doing a good thing, he's going to get criticized. People are going to second guess him. So it's always going to keep people closed minds. Um, and then now they're also going to think about that when it comes to a game where, you know, he doesn't close out in the playoffs or something like that. Was he, you know, is he feeling too much pressure? You know, there's all these yeah. storylines that will come with it. But for him to do that, I mean, I have, I have a ton of respect for DeMar DeRozan. Um, he definitely didn't have to do that publicly. The fact that he did that, Kevin Love came out after that, talked about I think it was his anxiety. Um, it just it just kind of brings a realism to, to sports because sometimes we forget with these athletes when you see them, they're like, whoa, like, oh my, even if you yeah. see them down the street or whatever at a game, and they're like larger than life. Yeah. And especially with some of these basketball players. Like, you actually go up close to these guys. They are massive individuals, right? Yeah. Um, but... They're human beings, man. And, um, you know, they live the same kind of life we do. Uh, obviously, lavishes are a little bit different, you know, with yeah. their financial situation and so forth. But at the same time, um, you know, they're still human, just like, like me yeah. and you. So they have feelings like me and you. So Yeah, I uh, agree with that. I find that when you go courtside or ringside, you kind of see that they are people. And all those mean tweets you might have tweeted about them, about their play, you realize, like, they're, they are people like me and you. Yeah, they, I mean, they got a family, they got kids in, in some, you know, circumstances or instances, depending on the, on the player or whatever, and, yeah. and where they are in life. And, um, listen, but we have a job to do, and if your job is to critique, uh, critique or, I mean, um, you know, cover, report. Yeah, I'm whatever, talking about not being overly mean. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you, there, there's a certain line, depending on who you are. Like, for me personally, I can only speak for myself personally, I, I try not to... Unless it's like something fun, try to be funny or whatever. Yeah, well, um, I can't critique Demar um, on a specific play with a ton of credibility. I never played in the NBA. You know, for me, it's always like if you haven't played at that level, it's tough to tough to take that person's opinion seriously. Now that other people who have covered the game or uh, have some ties to the game or played at some level, you know, it, it's yeah. different for a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not trying to take credibility away from other people, but. For me, like, I know when I'm doing my job and I'm, say, if I'm hosting the Raptors or I'm hosting something else, hockey, March Madness, whatever it is, you know, I, I rely on my analysts for that because they play the game, they, they play it at the highest level, and I'll take their opinion toward it. And I might come back and say, hey, what about this or what about that? You know, they can give me some more perspective, some real perspective, because from afar, it's easy to say, hey, man, DeMar should have hit that shot. DeMar should have, well, you know, I'd have to say DeMar's name right now, but yeah. player, player X is. Um, so, uh, it, it is interesting in that sense because it, it comes back at times and sometimes you see some of these hot takes that are out there and I just, I just shake my head because I'm like, <laughs> this guy probably doesn't believe that. Yeah. Um, Skip Bayless. Hey, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Not to add people, but. It, it's a big business. There's a, uh, you know, a niche for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes some of yeah. things are just completely outrageous. So shifting gears to yourself. Uh, I've seen that you were studying law and then you kind of switched into broadcasting. When did you know you wanted to go into journalism and what did your parents think about the career change? Uh, they weren't excited. <laughs> they definitely weren't excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, my sister is a criminal lawyer. So she was doing, uh, she was in law school at the time. And so it's kind of just following her foot, footsteps. And um, I mean, I, I enjoyed criminology. I was in criminology at Simon Fraser University. I was doing a minor in communication. And um, you know, in, in high school, I kind of thought about it. Grade 11 and 12, I was doing a lot of public speaking kind of things. And yeah. I wrote for the school paper and that sort of thing. And, 
Um, I love sports, so I was like, oh, maybe I can put two and two together. But at the same time, I realized, man, there's not that many jobs. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of minorities either on TV. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just one of those things when you don't see a lot of minorities also on TV. It's discouraging yeah. in a sense um, just because, you know, you, you don't relate as much. Um, and so I said, you know, screw it. Just take the safe route. And so I started doing law uh, or criminology. And uh, I think it was about two, two and a half years in, I decided, man, uh, I've got to give this thing a try. I, I was, it just kept bugging me, and I was like, yeah. uh, i got to give this thing a try. So I uh, started volunteering, and I did a course at uh, PCIT, which is kind of like Ryerson. Um, I just did one sports broadcasting course. I'm like, hey, you know, if I'm completely shitty at this, <laughs> I'm going to know, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm not going to uh, pursue this thing anymore. I did it. I did really well. Um, and I talked to some of the teachers and the, the two instructors were actually two people who were on air in Vancouver uh, and they're prominent in Vancouver and oh. um, so they were like yeah man you, you, you can have a path in this kind of thing and so what I did was I switched my minor and my major and then I decided that I'm going to go for broadcasting I'll finish my degree so I have to back, back up uh, just in case uh, you know it, it didn't work out uh, finished my degree at SFU, went to BCIT, did broadcast journalism there, and then from there on, I, uh, you know, started uh, working and stuff. And I kind of gave myself a five-year plan. I said, listen, in, in five mm-hmm. years, if I'm not successful, and for me, successful, man, being in a big market, yeah. um, then uh, I would go back and, because I had my degree, I could uh, apply for law school. So is there a person of color on TV that you look up, looked up to now, or really, it's it's... No, it, it wasn't so much person of color like that, that I, I looked up to or anything. It was just more like uh, even explaining it to my parents who, who are like immigrants coming to Canada. Um, you know, when you're watching, this is I'm talking when I was in high school, so you're talking like late 90s. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't see, you know, a lot of diversity on TV. It's hard for me to be like, oh, I want to be that yeah. guy. You know what I mean? Whereas in my community, there's tons of doctors, lawyers, accountants, <laughs> yeah. that kind of business. Like, that's our community. Um, and so it's easier for them to see that and relate to that, right? Uh, my favorite broadcaster growing up was a guy named Don Taylor in Vancouver. I don't know if you know Don Taylor. No. He's a le- look him up. He's a legend uh, in Vancouver, and everybody knows he actually worked for uh, a show called Sports Page. Oh, okay. That was like a local show in Vancouver, and then he went to Sportsnet after. Um, he was there for years um, in, in Vancouver. And so Don was like, he actually came to our school once to critique our highlights. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't even go for it. I was so nervous. I was like, "If this guy thinks I suck, uh, you know, it's gonna crush me." I've actually never met Don, uh, even though he now works for TSN Radio in Vancouver. Uh, But again, he's a—it's an absolute legend in Vancouver, and so he was my inspiration because I—I just saw every night I watched him. The guy's having so much fun. Yeah, Um, he's doing what he loves, and he—you know—he had some. He had some humor to him. Uh, it'd be funny to go back now to see if I think it's still funny. Uh, but you know, <laughs> humor evolves over time. But yeah. uh, at the time, I loved it. And, you know, he was sarcastic at times, funny, you know, messed up. He would have fun with it. And so I was like, dude, this is a wicked job. And if I can get something like that, I, you know, I'd be happy. And so um, he was a guy that I looked up to. I know you consider yourself a fitness enthusiast now. How did you get into that? I mean, if you look at 
my Instagram page properly. It says sometimes finishes. Yeah, <laughs> I was but, trying to uh, pipe you up. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I can't that. I still work out four or five times a week. Uh, and it, again, it goes back to what I was telling you earlier, like, you know, going up a chubby yeah. kid and, and the, the name calling, teasing, and just not feeling good about myself, you know. And um, it was still an early age, and, I, you know, I grew and I lost a lot of weight, but I also, uh, you know, run and exercise and so forth. This guy's just been part of my, my lifestyle, sports. Yeah. I really got into sports after that, too, and that's how, you know, my love of sports started. And so um, it's just one of those things where, I mean, uh, even if, uh, family, friends are over, and we're do, we go on trips. We do boys trips. Up. My buddy's coming in. Very good example. My buddy's coming in uh, tomorrow from Vancouver, right. and we're doing a boys trip to Montreal. Now we've already <laughs> planned two two different times where we're going to go to the gym. So we're going to go to Barry's boot camp on thir- uh, Friday morning, and then in Montreal we're also going to do uh, uh, some gym in Montreal that he's picked out. Now. Not everyone would do that, right? But we right. we enjoy doing it. It's part of our lifestyle. We'll, we'll party hard at night, but in the morning we'll we'll make that yeah. sacrifice of an hour and a half. But it just it just feels good. It's a stress reliever for me. It's my own time for myself, and so I really enjoy it. And so when I get a chance, to, I did a online campaign with Reebok. Uh, I think it was last year, and that was pretty cool for me. Uh, for somebody who, again who's not a crazy elite athlete, obviously I'm not a, I'm not playing pro anywhere, but. Uh, definitely somebody who's active and uh you know trying to keep up anyway mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, avoid the, the complete dad bod but yeah <laughs> yeah as someone from montreal I, I think uh the old port is obviously a classic place you should check out a lot of good restaurants and things to do around yeah. there um oh, i love montreal man I, I used to go there when i first went to toronto i'd go there every three months <laughs> oh really <laughs> would you take the train uh, there or is it road trip with the car we, oh i've done everything uh, we drive, train, we're flying this time, just, you know, luckily we're flying because the weather's so bad anyway, yeah. um, but we've done it all, and, and we've done boys trips, and family trips, and me and my wife have gone, so we love this city, because you can do whatever you want, there's a great getaway, you don't feel like you're anywhere in Canada, to me, yeah. I feel like you're in Europe at times, right? almost so, like a different world, and I do like shopping there too, I'll be honest, and uh, how's your French, you gotta brush it up? Oh, my French is, it's pretty terrible, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It takes dedication. I got to admit, sometimes I skip leg days. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, dude, brown man. I, like, like, I have the skinniest legs possible. And, like, I actually, I went through a phase. I'm not gonna lie. I skipped a lot of leg days. But even when I do work on my legs, which I do now, like the last four or five years, I still I work out very consistently. Um, and still, they're just pegs, man. And they just, they just won't grow. And, and, yeah. like, and it's ridiculous. And I get made fun of all the time for having no calves and whatever. So I've I just given up yeah. on that. I, I do my best. And, you know, sometimes genetics are not there, but at least, uh, you know, um, yeah. you're trying. You're trying anyways, right? So I know you like wearing a lot of suits. How did that come about? And is there one suit that really stands out that you love? I love suits, man. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no doubt, and uh, we, like we have a fashion consultant or whatever at TSN that you could work with. I, I don't work with them. I like to do my own thing. So um, I just basically uh, go out and buy stuff and then, you know, put it together myself. I like it. I, I enjoy it. I used to read like a GQ magazine back in the day and so forth and uh, get ideas from there. Now Instagram is amazing. So, you know, getting out of magazines anymore because Instagram, I follow mm. all these random suit guys in like Italy and Sweden Switzerland. do you have a Pinterest uh, account? 
I don't. I, no, dude, I would never get off my phone. That I, I can't. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I totally neglect my son. And, um, no, but I, I'll check it out. And I follow these different suit guys and fashion people. And um, I, I like personally like, like a European style suit, European cut, which is a little too tight for most people. But that's what I like. And, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I have a ton of suits. And when I'm kind of done with them, what I, actually, if I really love my suit, I love the color. Uh, but like, you know, if I, say if I bought the suit four or five years ago, obviously the, the cuts kind of changed, you know, it's a little bit you know, more fitted now. I'll just take it to my tailor and refit, re, uh, tailor the suit, which is actually a great way for people who, uh, you might be on a budget or whatever. Um, oh, to, so you buy a suit uh, yeah. that's bigger? No, no. So say I bought a suit five, six years ago, right? Yeah. The, the style of suit over the last five years has changed like completely, right? Yeah. So, like, the cut of the suit, basically. So, people are wearing suits a lot more fitted these days. So, I mean, five years ago... Oh, you just make it tighter. Cut. Yeah, so you take it to a tailor, and they can retail yeah. the pants, or retail the jacket and everything to make it all... Uh, and I do that with suits that were a little bit, maybe a little bit more expensive, or something I just actually really like, even if it's a cheaper suit, but I really like the color of the suit, or yeah. the, the design, or whatever. Um, that's what I do. And for, like, 350 bucks or whatever, my tailor charges me for it. Uh, I got a brand new suit again, right? So that's a great way uh, of trying to, uh, you know, save a little money. It sounds like it's a lot of money, but you're actually getting a brand new suit almost again for 350 bucks. So yeah. um, that's one thing I do. And if I don't do that and I'm done with the suit, I kind of just give it to my brother or my cousin <laughs> or my dad. So one of these guys is all rolling in like nice suits. And, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of give, I, at one point I had like 88 ties or something. At one wow. <laughs> Yeah, and like this is too much. Like I'm not going through all this. So then I again I have like a yard sale where I got my family. Whoever comes over, they go through my closet and I kind of put the stuff aside that I think I'm not going to wear, and they yeah kind of rummage through it and and uh, take what they like. There's a three for one sale. We'll see you at Moore's. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, so you got to talk to some of the Duke players and coaches before the season. How was your interview with Coach K? He seemed really open. You know, I, I was I was shocked actually. Um, so we knew we were getting RJ, um, and I talked to RJ a couple times before that. And then it's kind of neat because kind of built a relationship a little bit with RJ now. Having done, we did his uh, announcement and mm-hmm. uh, done a couple interviews besides that, and, and then the last one we did was uh, we actually went down to their first game, which was in Indiana. Uh, so he, he knows us well, I know us well now, so it's just kind of nice, and, and uh, it's good because, I mean, um, he's obviously going to be a pretty special player, but uh, the night before, uh, my producer messaged me and said, hey, we might get Coach K tomorrow, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we might get Coach K, because we actually had lined up three or four, we had the assistant coach, John Shire, and um, a couple other players, and, and then RJ. And so the next morning, he tells me three hours before, he's like, yeah, we got Coach K. They're going to give it to him. They're going to give it uh, give Coach K to us. So I'm like, great. So I'm like <laughs> rummaging through trying to find all the questions I can and researching as much as I can because I had an idea of what I wanted to do. But yeah. if you get Coach K, Coach K, like Coach K is legendary. And he's one of the most legendary figures in all of sports, right? Yeah. Um, we're talking on like a Belichick kind of level, right? And I feel like so, I haven't seen many interviews of him too. I don't think he does many. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he does many. And, and one-on-one, he'll do obviously with ESPN and, and uh, you know, maybe some of these other college networks. But, I mean, obviously the only network in Duke. But um, 
I don't see a ton of them. I, I don't know though. So yeah, um, yeah, I was pretty hyped about it, but and it was almost a good thing that I I was kind of last minute and I was prepared, but not you know overly prepared in the sense where uh, you think about it too much because I don't do a ton of sit down interviews. But I've been kind of lucky in the, in the ones that I've done. Yeah, they've actually been pretty pretty uh, pretty cool ones. So yeah, I sat down with him and and he was great. I mean, uh, you know, right before the interview, they're micing him up. Uh, you know, you want to kind of small talk and, and kind of get a feel. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to be grumpy and, and just kind of be like, yep, yeah, okay, let's go kind of thing. And yeah. you know, he's great. He was talking about Toronto and you know, he loves Toronto. He's, he comes all the time. And he's right, talking about like raccoons or something or squirrels. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, like, black squirrels. Or I don't know what he was talking yeah. about. I can't remember, but it was hilarious. We're all dying. Like, came out of nowhere. And um, the interview was only supposed to be five to seven minutes, I think. And we went for over 15. So, yeah. Um, it, it was great, and he was great, and you know he uh, he opened up and you know took a couple shots at me there for calling his guys the Fab Five. And, yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought it was I thought he was really good, and and you know even when um, having interviewed lots of athletes and stuff before, when they're done, they're done, right? You know, the yeah. camera goes off, they're they're done. And uh, Coach Case still hung up for a bit. You know, he hung up for another few minutes and chatted. Mm-hmm. And he was on, so it, it was a it was a really good experience, and so um, it was kind of a cool one I could look back on later in my career and be like, you know, um, again one of the bigger figures in sports. Yeah, and he kind of threatened you by saying, "You got to be careful for those Polish guys." Could you yeah, take Coach no, K I, if you uh, got you guys were the same age? Sorry. Could you guys take Coach K uh, if you guys were the same age? Could I take Coach K? Yeah. No, not a chance. No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I might be a fitness enthusiast, but there's no way that guy would kill me. Um, no, when he gave me that look and then he kind of like winked at me or whatever it was, I was like, oh, thank God. Because I'm like, this guy would kill me. Um, yeah. No, he looks intense, man. I, I can, I, you know, you see him on the sidelines and how intense he can get. But, uh, you know, I was asking John Shire's assistant coach about him because John actually played for Coach K when he was um, at Duke. And he would say, you know, man, he's, he's a great guy behind the scenes. He's really charming. He, he, he can be really fatherly in a sense. Um, but when it's time to get down to business, you're going to get the business, man. Like, that's what he gets paid for. That's, yeah. what, uh, that's what he's about. He's about wins, and, but he's going to get you prepared for the NBA, and that's what uh, you know these top guys want. So I got to ask, can you spell Shashevsky? No chance. <laughs> Fair he enough. He asked me that. I went to the same thing as face, and then I'd probably walk out of the room because I'm like, this guy is... <laughs> He's not There's no chance. <laughs> Obviously, you've worked a lot with Jack Armstrong. Is there any funny moments between you two? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Jack's awesome, man. Jack's, uh, he's exactly the person you see on TV. Like, he doesn't turn it on for TV, where some people have to turn it on. Uh, Jack's got that personality of, you know, outside of, uh, outside of work, too, and uh, he's really supportive. He, he's a great dude who understands the business, understands the game. He's passionate. I think the one thing you you would see if you saw him watching, so like when I watch games with him, I mean, he gets into it. Yeah. <laughs> when the Raptors play, even watching March Madness and stuff like that, because obviously being an ex-college coach, sometimes when he sees a bonehead play or a coach make a mistake or whatever, He's yelling at the TV. He's one of those guys, you know. So yeah. um, he's very, very passionate about basketball. He's super intelligent. Um, but the best thing I love about Jack is he knows how to make it entertaining. Uh, he knows mm-hmm. how to have fun. He can joke around with them. Uh, he never wants to be scripted, which I love. 
Yeah. You know, um, he doesn't want to know the questions ahead of time. Just let's just talk, and, and I love that. So. Uh, Jack's one of my favorite people to work with. Obviously, we've seen Anthony Davis go to the Lakers. If you're the GM of the Lakers, LeBron James, would you give up Kuzma and Lonzo? Absolutely. <laughs> I'd throw Ingram in there too. Wow. Dude, I would give up. I would give up anybody on that team besides LeBron James. But then you um, really believe in Rajon Rondo. What do you mean, like? Give it yeah, to lead the point guard. I mean, who's going to play point, right? Oh. Hundred percent, and, and remember Anthony Davis and Rajon Rondo are pretty good friends, right? Uh, Anthony yeah. had his best year when Rajon was point guard at, in New Orleans, so um, they're tight, which is which is important. Um, but uh, I mean, Anthony Davis is special. I'd give up anybody, I, and I know even in Toronto, people are talking about the Raptors and oh, should they give up Pascal Siakam? Yes, yeah, yes, okay. you should because. Pascal has turned out to be a great story. He's going to be potentially an all-star for years to come, maybe. Who knows? Is he going to be Anthony Davis? Probably not. Anthony Davis is special. There's only going to be a few Anthony Davises that come around. Um, and even if you get a chance to have him for a year and a half with Kawhi Leonard, yeah. you got to do it. Because the Raptors have made it pretty known that they're all in, and if it doesn't work out this year, they're willing to rebuild after yeah. Kawhi leaves. And I'd rather so, give Siakam than I would OG. I mean, I, I throw both of them in there, man. What? Mean, whatever you, whatever you want, man. Just, I bring that guy over. Open check. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they probably want, they would probably want Pascal, OG, JV, maybe DeLon Wright. Like, they, they want a big haul, obviously, back for them, and I understand that. Um, but then you'd be in the same position next year, if Kawhi left anyways, that you could trade Anthony Davis and get a big haul from back again, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and rebuild your team, so. It'll be interesting. I, I mean, if I'm if I'm New Orleans, I'm still waiting to see what Boston has to offer. I know they can't trade right now because they got Kyrie and the whole Rose Bowl. But um, there's always a wink, with, wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge thing, right? Like, hey, we're gonna offer you so and so and so and so on July first. You know what I mean? Um, and Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, and they got the picks, and so. Yeah, you mentioned well, the yeah, Celtics. The NBA, the NBA, Sorry? You mentioned the Celtics. You kind of see Kyrie Irving kind of shying away from them. It seems like he really wants to go join LeBron, and that, I find that opens up a spot for the Raptors in the East to kind of take the throne this year. No. Well, I, I, they're not trading Kyrie this year. They won't. They won't trade him this year um, at, at the deadline. But I mean, he could leave. I, uh, and I saw that him joining LeBron again. I mean, this is what I was going to say. Like the NBA is crazy. It, it, <laughs> yeah. they, they have figured it out. They let the players run the league. And and it's great for business because they had drama twenty four seven. This thing is a three sixty five league where even in the off season they have the best off season. During the season, they got guys asking for trade. It's ridiculous. Like Anthony Davis is one of the best. We got a year and a half left in his deal. So I'm not. I'm not <laughs> it's Publicly, yeah. Like, that would be like I don't know Austin Matthews or or one of these guys. I got Austin Matthews. Cause it's not different situation, but. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. An NHL player who has still has about a year and a half left on his deal. But we're talking like a prominent, prominent NHL player because Anthony Davis is a top five NBA player. So um, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's I, been. I love the NBA. Yeah, it's been noted the Memphis Grizzlies have been shopping around some of their players. How do you think they would fit for the Raptors, either Mike Conley or Marcus Gasol? Um, I mean, I don't think you need Mike Conley because you got Kyle Lowry. Uh, yeah, so you don't think Conley is better than Lowry, basically? Well, I, I mean, I think Conley is really underrated, that's for sure. I 
100% underrated. Uh, but I don't think they need him, and they're not going to go get him. They're not going to give up on Kyle now. Um, and I think Marcus Gasol, I mean, depending on what you do, if you trade JV or something like that, maybe. But I, I don't see them giving up a lot of pieces to go out and get Marcus Gasol. All right, last topic here. Obviously, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. Who you got and why? Uh, hard to bet against the Patriots, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought the Rams might have peaked a little early. And then you got the controversy from them, uh, coming out last week or two weeks ago and beating the Saints. But I don't know. It depends on Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley's hurt. He's obviously, I mean, he had five carries, I think it was, last week. Yeah, limited minutes. Yeah, totally, right? And so um, it depends on his health and, and his production. And I just think it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't particularly like betting against him now. Yeah. So uh, well, I, I see them. I bet on Tom uh, last year when the Eagles took it, but I'm going to stay yeah. with him. I trust him. Yeah. I trust the Patriots and Belichick. And I see, them the, I see the Patriots coming out with the, the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I'm with you, man. At the end of every episode, I ask all my guests if you can share a thought or a quote that you find meaningful, meaningful or simply thought-provoking. So uh, I'll go first. Last week, I said an Ernest Hemingway quote because I have this thing where I, if ever I hear a cool quote around or on TV or in, in person, I just write it down and I have a notes page full of quotes. And uh, <laughs> so we're going from Ernest Hemingway to DJ Khaled. And uh, <laughs> he said... Don't burn a bridge. Only God can walk on water. And I thought that was really insightful because, like, you never know. Like, that guy who you cut in traffic, he might be serving you your Starbucks drink. Or that teacher who you thought might have slighted you, you might have her next semester. So just treat everyone with respect. You never know uh, when you'll see them again. No, and that even works for somebody like yourself who's, uh, you know, trying to get in the industry. You know, you're going to move on up as far as your jobs are concerned. And, um, you know, you never know who's going to be your boss the next time around or who's going to be, uh, you know, if you might, they might be working under you and they might jump you later on in life. So it's, it's always good to never burn those bridges, that's for sure. I've seen it happen before where you never know when someone else is going to be in a different position in the position above you. So um, that's definitely good advice. I, I really don't have a quote off the top of my head. All right, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, but... I will start to think about that. So that's something to think about. I actually do like that when you when you hear a good one, and you see you come across a lot of them too. I'm like, ah, that's, that's really good. But uh, yeah. off the top of my head, man, I mean, I could give you some yeah. rap lyrics, but that's not that's not good. <laughs> yeah. No, not a problem at all. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for doing it. No worries, man. Thanks for having me.